In a previous episode, we referred to the European fairs that preceded formal stock markets, but we didn't talk much about the participants. As it turns out, the trade fairs also originated the use of brokers, basically middlemen of exchange, to introduce buyers and sellers. The word broker is derived from the French brochier, which describes someone that tapped or broached a wine keg. The term was applied to the entrepreneurs that bought wine by the barrel from farmers and then sold it by the cup. Before we continue, let's throw out another historical footnote. Manhattan's original inhabitants supposedly called the island Manhattan, which means either hilly island or wood for arrows. A more cynical man might say this makes no sense since Manhattan seems relatively flat and hardly an exclusive reservoir for getting wood. The third theory goes something like this. When Henry Hudson first arrived in what we now know as New York, he was greeted by the local Indian tribes. The Indians brought tobacco, and in return, Hudson shared booze with them. Then they got thoroughly wrecked together. Sometime after the historic party, the Delaware tribes called the island Manahatchtanirnk, which means the place where we all got drunk. Europeans then abbreviated that to Manhattan. By 1650, the town of New Amsterdam had one of four buildings devoted to the sale of alcohol. And, well, we all know what it's been like since. Let's get on with things. Around 2006, a big theme driving many investment sectors was referred to as the commodity supercycle. Much of this was based around China. Having abandoned communism in all but name, that country was a juggernaut and had a seemingly endless demand for natural resources. Meantime in the West, central bankers were expanding their nation's money supply to immunize their equity markets from a series of catastrophic military decisions by the United States, sending oil to even further heights. Hedge funds took the low rates and were piling into copper, crude, gold, silver, zinc, and even wood. And that's where Sinoforest came in. The company was listed in Canada and went under the symbol TRE. The firm told investors they would provide materials to the megacities that were popping up all over China. But management soon discovered their cash flows would look even better if they just clear-cut the trees and didn't bother replacing them. Better yet, just lie about the forests in the first place. An early proponent of wood, the CEO of Sinoforest wore a cape and always had two hookers on his arm. The CFO was a cruise ship singer who wore a piano tie, and one of their brokers was a real character himself. He met the Sinoforest team in Montreal. That city is a strange place. A whole group of us visited it once, and within hours, Tarzan hated a bar so much, he took off his shirt just to get kicked out. One of the McKennas carried a two-pound bag of weed with him the entire night. That's a felony there. Anyway, around the same time, the Canadian exchanges had begun listing some Kurdish fracking companies. The fact that Kurdistan was surrounded by enemies and wasn't even a country was offset by the general bullishness tied to oil. The broker in question had done a few fracking deals in the past and fancied himself a bit of a cowboy. Unlike many of his colleagues back then, he never wore a tie. Said it was just a leash your master cut for you to show that you were going nowhere. Playing fast and loose with the rules themselves, the Sinoforest executives appreciated his approach and soon agreed to do a roadshow in New York to get a little more fuel for their Ponzi scheme. After a day listening to the Sinoforest team talk to investors, our broker smells a rat and abandons them at the West Garden, which was the McDonald's of rub and tug joints back then. After clearing out the pipes himself with the local specialist Bonnie, he decides to head off and explore the city, eventually ending up at the Mineta Tavern. The two of us arrive at the bar around the same time, and he asks for whiskey. 
The waitress rolls her eyes and says they have quite a few different whiskeys. He says, just bring the damn bottle. We are introduced, and I say one of my friends is running an investment from their satellite office in San Francisco. He points out there's some really dumb money in California. Literally no end to it. Then he burps really loud. Everyone cracks up at that, and the group of us get to properly talking. Someone asks how much to order, and the broker says, well, that depends on how fat you want to be. Eventually, we're joined by some women, but the broker waves them away. Warns us that some vampires have fangs in their vaginas. After all, think about poor Bubba Clinton. After some aggressive drinking, one of my friends tells the broker where I work. And he says, Jesus, a retard like you? They're lucky you're not shitting on their desks and walking around with your dick out. In short order, the broker starts talking to a girl at the bar. She has dreads in her hair, but she's as black as I am Italian. And I'm Scandinavian. After he figures out he's never going to hook up, they get into an argument. He starts mocking her accent and pretending to be a gangbanger. You know who I am? I'm from New Jersey. I know people. Bang, bang, you're dead. I know people. Eventually, she walks off in exasperation, muttering, Fuck off. Fuck that. Fuck this. And fuck you. Later that night, we're at another spot, and I ask him what his problem with women is. He says it's not just women. He's a very careful judge of character and has recently learned to distrust many well-meaning people. I was a knee-jerk New York Times reading liberal back then and took exception to this, as well as his earlier dig at Hillary. I try to interrupt, but he talks right over me, pointing out that it doesn't matter if you mean well when you're hurting others and creating bad outcomes. The combination of deep conversation and outrageous behavior gets us into even further heavy drinking and soon get thoroughly wrecked together. Eventually, I'm so tanked that my friends get worried and decide to put me into a cab. As they do, the broker jumps in behind me, reaches over to open the opposite door, and the two of us head right back out down the street. We try to track down women who are too stupid to know how dumb they really are, crash a charity event, and have someone else pay for the auction items we jokingly bid on. Empty an ice bucket over our heads at the standard. We sign someone else's check with cunt so they can't expense it. Get chased out of snafu by an angry doorman. Confuse the Hellfire Club with the vault, or perhaps the other way around. Energetically push ourselves to the limit of what we can handle and still function the following day. Most of the night is a total blur, but I had the time of my life. Some of my friends on the sell side are probably wondering which broker I'm referring to in this episode. And the answer is, all of them. You were all like this in different moments in time. And I miss those days. And I miss you. In any case, hangovers build character. <laughs>